This episode of the Post Class Podcast is brought to you by College and Coffee with Mike Dunn. If you're curious about where you're going after high school, or if you just want a great cup of joe, check out College and Coffee with Mike Dunn at theeducatorsroom.com. Welcome to the Post Class Podcast, brought to you by theeducatorsroom.com. Now here's your host, Mr. Jake Miller. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Post Class Podcast. This is episode six. We're calling this podcast Color Teaching. So I don't know if you've read on The Educator's Room. There is an author by the name of Shante S. Barnes, and Shante wrote an article called Hidden Struggles of Being a Teacher of Color. Shante, can you just explain what prompted you to write this type of article? Oh, that's a good question. Um, what kind of prompted me to write this article? A lot of times when I see things in the media or I hear about situations, I always think about, is that happening in teaching? Because there's been a lot of incidents where black people are just doing their normal everyday activity and they've been reported by the police. And so as, as I started thinking about that, I started thinking about being a teacher and being in situations where, you know, I've been reported to administration for just simply doing my job and someone not understanding what I was doing. And so I kind of made that correlation there. And so I thought about my career. This I'm actually finishing up my 12th year in the classroom. And so I was thinking about my career and thinking about other times throughout my career where I've been in this situation. And this conversation I've had with other teachers of color that found themselves in that situation. So putting all those thoughts together kind of what generated the article. Do you think it is a thing about color, or do you think it's a thing about just looking down on teachers regardless of their color? Because it tends to be this uh, type of thought process where we tell on the teacher now rather than listening to their side of the story. I think depending on the situation, it's a little bit of both. I think um, with the heightened accountability, and I, I mean, I'm all for accountability, but I think with the heightened accountability, people are on a little bit on edge. And so when they feel like someone's doing something that's different and they think about, oh, is this going to bring down our test scores? Is this going to affect our school? It may prompt people to tell. But the other thing I've just noticed is sometimes I think people have difficulty. They're, you know, they're in their job, they're being professional, but they may not even know how to interact with a person of color. And when you think about teachers, you don't think about that being like something that will be an issue. Um, but being on the receiving end as a teacher of color, I know people have been uncomfortable uh, even having conversations. So I'll give you an example. I live in Indianapolis, and the Indy 500 is a huge event here. Well, most of my colleagues have been to the Indy 500, and so we had this conversation about it. And the fact that I had never been was like this big deal, and they didn't know how to talk to me about it, and they thought they were being offensive. And with this whole thing, and I'm like, it's not that huge of a deal. You can talk to me about it, but they didn't even know how to broach the subject with me. And so it's like little things like that where, to me, it wouldn't. I would rather you have asked why, you know, a lot of black people may not attend the event than them being so uncomfortable to even generate the conversation that just made it bigger than it really needed to be. So at Indianapolis, what percentage of your students are of color and what percentage of your teachers roughly are of color? You know, I really don't know what the exact answer is, um, but I know it's not um, high. Um, I've typically, so if I think about my personal career, um, I started off working in the suburbs, so I was at a school where I was the only teacher of color. 
I mostly have worked in urban schools. So after working in the suburbs, after that, I worked in just the urban school. I, I've been in this situation where it's probably like a handful of us and all the other teachers are white. And so that's been my experience throughout most of my career, um, whether I'm the only teacher or I'm one of maybe, you know, a few. And why do you think that is? Why is it that people of color aren't stepping up and taking over the classroom? I think it really has to do with kids of color in the classroom. I think you have to really take it back to the classroom. When you think about, you know, we talk about the achievement gap, we talk about disparities in the classroom. And so if you, as a child of color, did not have a good experience in school, what would prompt you to go pursue education as your career? And so you do have people of color that that is the reason they pursue education because they want to change the experience. Before a lot of people, it's like, I finished, I got a high school, I don't want to go back to school, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to deal with that system. And so I think to get more um, people of color into the classroom, we really have to make this as a career or something that you want to do as a person of color. And I think that's just has been an issue. And then the second thing I think about is, when schools were desegregated, people don't really think about this a lot, but when schools were desegregated, a lot of the black teachers that were working at black schools weren't able to be hired at integrated schools. Yep. And so, therefore, you think about people. Like, I have teacher friends who their grandparents were teachers, their moms were teachers. And so, a lot of times, you follow a trade or you go into a profession because a lot of people in your family have done that profession. Mm -hmm. But when you have people who are teachers, you know, they had jobs and then schools got integrated, they didn't get to keep that job and they had to go into something else, you don't even have those people in your family that has been in that profession. So now that may not even be something that you think about as a career. So I think those are the two big reasons that I think about why you have um, lower number of people of color. So you're saying this is an unintended consequence of, say, the Brown v. Board is, granted, more black kids and white kids are now in the same classroom together, but there aren't black teachers leading those mixed groups of new kids. Yeah, and I mean, it's just, there's always these unintended consequences. Like, I think about New Orleans, and, you know, with Hurricane Katrina happening, and you had a lot of teacher of color teaching, but then, you know, New Orleans is now mostly uh, a charter school system, and so a lot of the teachers or the teachers that were teaching uh, prior to Katrina, they lost their jobs, and so most, a lot of the teachers that are coming in are coming in from programs like uh, Teach for America, and they are young white teachers. And so there's this, there's these events that have happened in our history that has kind of changed who is in the classroom. And so I think there are these unintended consequences that people forget about. And so now that we know about these unintended consequences, we have to think about what can we do to get people to teach. I know for myself, when I was in high school, I was approached about participating in a cadet teaching program. And so I participated in this program in high school. I went back to my elementary school and did the program, and that got me to actually sign up um, to be an educator. And so, you know, we have to be really intentional and strategic about what are we doing to say to kids in high school that this is a viable career path for you. So since every school doesn't have this type of cadet teaching program, what do you see us doing nationwide to help combat some of these issues? Because I could say... In my home state of Pennsylvania, I read online that we graduated only seven black male teachers across the entire state last year. And that's pretty alarming for a state that has about 12 million people. So what can I do? What can our listeners do to help encourage more people of color to get into the classroom and to not have to deal with the baloney that you wrote about in your article? Well, I think the second piece um, realistically is finances. I mean, I'm in high school right now, so I'm talking to students, you know, I work with um, 10th and 11th graders, 
And so my 11th graders, they're thinking about, you know, we're about to be seniors next year. And some of them, their next step is to work. And, you know, I'm not downplaying that that's a viable choice for someone. But some of my students, the reason they're working is because, you know, they don't want to take out loans or they yeah. feel like they may not be able to get loans. And granted, you know, we're working with counselors, we're making sure they're doing everything right, but they have prior experience with siblings being in this situation. So it's just not them thinking that this is what I should do. It's like my siblings couldn't get enough financial support. I can't do this. And then the other piece I think about, if you're a person of color and you're in a school where you may have graduated. It's kind of like when you go to college and you have to retake high school courses because, yeah, you graduated and got into college, but you're not prepared for the coursework. Mm-hmm. And so that's the other thing I worry about. We, a lot of times, can get people into college. Uh, Could we always shout about, you know, we have this amount of kids graduating from high school um, and accepted into college, but how many of those kids finish their programs? And so I think there has to be some financial support. There has to be some support while they're in college because each of these Kids are coming from different schools, and all all high school, just because you earned high school diploma, you may not be as qualified or ready for the coursework. And so those are some of the areas I think about. And then I think about the test. In Indiana, we um, have a new teacher uh, test, and a lot of people aren't passing the test. And so that's been an issue. So if you get out of high school, you get through the program, and then you can't pass the test, you're still screwed. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's just it's just like there's it's like it feels like there's always these roadblocks. It's like we push you like come on, you can do this, you can do this, and then there's another roadblock. And so it's really honestly having those supports in place from high school all the way through until you get to the test. And then when you get into the classroom, having that mentor, that support there, those first, uh, at least those first couple of years. So it's a long process, I feel. And I feel like places are good at having support in one aspect and not the area, uh, the other. And so you have this disconnect and then people are just like, you know, this is not worth it. I can go do something else. Last question here. Who do you find is most complicit and the part of our educational component that needs to be changed changed the most would it be the high schools or would it be the colleges that's hmm, that's an interesting question i don't want to say who is i guess more i feel like the high schools and the colleges need to work together better to have a better bridge uh, between the two Um, because i just think about you know some colleges you know they're like local they are partnering with high schools and some don't and so i think about the colleges you know if you're not getting enough kids in you know what are you doing to reach out to the high schools and on the other hand high schools what are you doing to reach out to the colleges so i really think it has to come from both sides because the high schools need to know if this is the career students want to pursue are we preparing them for college and the colleges need to kind of reach back out to the high school and say, you know, because what happens is, because um, I'm also an adjunct at one of our local universities, mm-hmm. and one of the things I talk about with some of my uh, fellow professors is that the fact that why doesn't this student know how to do this right now? Because the students I teach are typically uh, juniors and seniors in college. And so it's like, how did you get to this point and you still can't do this? And so some of those seem like gaps that were missed in high school. And so it, that would be information that colleges could uh, kick back to the high school and say, hey, you know, we really need kids to know how to <laughs> do this um, so they can be prepared and not. It's one thing to fill a class in high school and retake it. It's another thing to fill in college and have to pay to retake it. And so that can be one of those setbacks that gets someone to say, hey, you know, college is not for me. Shantae S. Barnes, teacher at Indianapolis High School. Shantae, we're so happy that you could join us here on the Post Class Podcast. And thanks so much for being on. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. And thank you, listeners. If you love the Post Class Podcast, 
Go on wherever you download podcasts and give us a rating and share us with your friends. The Post Class Podcast is part of the Educators Room Podcast Network, produced by Eric Semmel and Jake Miller. Music is by the band Elephants Dancing. <laughs>